Well, I am pumped to welcome all of our listeners to another episode of the London Lyceum, a special edition Hanover House episode. I am one of your hosts, Jordan Stefaniak. And I'm your co-host, Brandon Askew. And we're a podcast devoted to serious thinking for a serious church. And this is a special edition of the Hanover House, as we mentioned, to reintroduce the London Lyceum. So we've grown from only Brandon's grandma listening, who is our most devoted and loyal listener, to actually having a decently large group of listeners. And I honestly try not to think about that too much, uh, particularly the quality of our listeners, because, well, one, it might get to my head. And number two, I think quite a few of you guys are pretty legit. And if I think too long about it, I'll start overthinking it, and I would probably totally stumble over myself. But with our growth, our new listeners are often drawn to our very first episode. That may be you. Uh, our introduction, our episode number one, and to be honest, I'm on, really just too embarrassed to go listen to it now, and we've actually changed and updated and modified things a little bit since then. So we've designed this episode to be a reintroduction of sorts to the London Lyceum. We want to explain our mission, our guiding principles, give you an idea of where we're headed in the future with new exciting projects, how we've changed, and then introduce you to the team that makes the London Lyceum what it is. So you may not be familiar with everybody who's really helping to direct uh, the London Lyceum. So I'll start quickly with our mission and principles. Our mission, it's all about serious thinking for a serious church. And we confess the Second London Confession of Faith, but we do that as part of the larger retrieval and renewal effort for Reformed Catholicity. We desire to draw from the wisdom of the broadly confessionally reformed traditions spanning from Westminster to the 39 Articles to the Orthodox Creed and more. And the guiding principle really comes from James 3.17, that we believe character matters. So we want to pursue thinking that is pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. So we've boiled that down into four different characteristics. One is charity, two is curiosity, three is critical thinking, and Finally, cheerful confessionalism. We think that ethos really matters in how we think to think well. Now, what's changed about the London Lyceum since we started? Well, not a ton, but a few things I would say are we have better quality. So I think our, some of our initial episodes were a little bit on the trash side on quality. And we have more resources now. We've got a website. We do a lot of book reviews. We're trying to do more articles. We're, we're doing roundtables now. We've got this expanded plethora of resources for you to enjoy and to stimulate your thinking. And I think we also started out primarily singularly to get Baptists to think, but I think we've broadened a little to the church in general. We have a lot of listeners, and I think, and while our primary aim remains Baptist thinkers, we want to generate thinking among everybody. I mean, I've got friends of all stripes, all denominations who listen and who enjoy this, and we want to help them to think, expose them to great, rigorous, and awesome thinkers out there. So we really want to do this for everybody and not just for Baptists. And, you know, one other thing that's sort of slightly changed is I think when we first started, I mean, if you listen to our first couple episodes, they're all in like the 25 to 30 minute range. Obviously, we've expanded that since then. But I think part of the reason we were doing that is because we were trying to appeal to a wide range of audiences and not just one in particular. I think we've shifted our focus a little bit. We've narrowed in, we've zeroed in on who we think we're best benefiting and reaching. So initially we tried to reach everybody. And now I think we're just trying to be honest with ourselves and say, hey, we want to hit the people who want to think seriously. And we're not going to apologize for that. So there's lots of podcasts out there. And you know, if you think about theology and philosophy, and there's different tiers or different heights of shelves when it comes to the material, you've got the bottom shelf where the cookie, you can keep the cookies down there where two-year-olds in the faith can go grab it and understand everything and enjoy it. And you can raise it higher and higher where it becomes more difficult to reach and fewer people can reach it. And we don't want to put our cookies at the top shelf, but we don't want to keep them at the bottom shelf either. So we're going to try to keep them pretty high, but we're going to try to lift you up and assist you to get there. But I think part of what we really want to do is just not apologize for the fact that we're not going to be the bottom shelf. And that's fine. I mean, there are podcasts that do that really well, and and we want to support those, and we want to encourage you to listen to those. But there also needs to be podcasts that are pushing the envelope and challenging you more. So that's what we're trying to do. That's, I guess, the niche that we're trying to fill uh, as far as audience goes. But why don't we go ahead and get you introduced to the team a little bit? Uh, Maybe we'll start with Connor. So Connor, tell us a little bit about yourself. You can do anything you want. I mean, family, life, hometown, where you grew up, all that sort of stuff if you want. I think some interesting things might be ministry, research focus, or favorite theologians or philosophers, those sort of things. So why don't you go ahead and hit us up? 
I, I'm currently pastoring in West Michigan, uh, First Baptist Spring Lake. Um, I went to University of Oklahoma for undergrad, did an MDiv at Southern, finished in uh, 2019 there, and uh, married three girls, five, three, and one. Uh, so that's that's my major area of study right now and research is uh, is just fathering and pastoring and uh, um, yeah, b- busy doing both of those things. Um, uh, interests are certainly things that uh, help me be better at both of those things. Uh, pastoral theology, um, certainly um, a, a lot of Puritan spiritualities um, and just kind of seeing how um, they uh, teach the Bible and, and preach the Bible. And uh, so I'm, I'm really interested in, um, especially in, in those areas that are kind of geared towards what I do every day or every week, I should say. And um, certainly ecclesiology and, and, and trying to see how the church has organized itself and in different traditions just to to try to glean from those things and, and, um, try to see what the, uh, how that can uh, help where, where we're at and, and sort of a, I guess you'd call it a revitalization, not so much in, in a, in the number of people we have, but certainly in trying to reform, uh, some of those, some of those things to be a healthier church. And, uh, I certainly, um, would put myself in that Baptist camp and, and, and our ecclesiology and, and, and those things. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of, um, I guess the quick rundown about me, um, I play golf in my spare time. And, um, so if you're ever in West Michigan, whoever's listening out there, uh, contact me and we'll, we'll get some, uh, get some swings in, but you've got what, two months of the year that you can even play. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Uh, Can you teach me how to play golf? I don't know how to play golf. I, I feel like that's a that's a life skill I need to acquire. I I I don't know how good of a golf teacher I am. I can get you. I can get the wheels turning. Um, but if you want to, if you I mean, get really, you made really good, me much better. Uh, th- that wasn't a you had. Yeah, I don't know that. <laughs> Usually, <laughs> I guess you when you start at zero, I can get you. You know, I can get you going, and and but when, once you start getting into the fine tuning, you know, you might want to, you know, hire somebody else. But uh, but yeah, Jordan, when when I when I started with you, you you didn't even know how to hold the club, much less swing it. So, well, I I want to mention one other thing that I totally forgot to mention. You know, talking about how we've broadened our horizons a little bit beyond just focusing on Baptist. We we still want to be a primarily a center that wants to recover and retrieve Baptist resources. So I think just across the board, there's a lot of great Baptist theologians who just people don't know about, and we want to help promote and publicize and recover and interact with those as well. Uh, so just wanted to plug in more Baptist stuff. Because, I mean, we've got all sorts of listeners. I know you guys are listening. We've got everybody from Presbyterians to Anglicans to Methodists to, um, to, I mean, everybody across the board. But we do want to stay true to our roots and say, hey, the Baptist tradition has something that can be useful to say. Because, I mean, I think me as a Baptist, I read probably, I mean, Reformed dudes way more than I read anybody else. And most of them aren't Baptists. I find great value in reading them and understanding them. And I want to be able to say, hey, look, Baptists have some great resources too. You should check them out. We actually have been thinking on these topics and we have something to say that's useful that you can learn and glean from and not be a Baptist. That's fine. And I think you should be because I think it's it's right. But before we get on Jake Stone's hobby horse, um, Garrett, why, why don't you give us a little bit of info about yourself? Yeah, that'd be, be glad to. Um, my name is Garrett Walden and I am a pastor of Grace Heritage Church down in Auburn, Alabama. And I'm really grateful to be there. Grace Heritage is a wonderful church, sweet people, and they love my family and and we love them. Uh, I'm married to my wife, Kat, who's actually sitting right beside me. um, If she doesn't come on and say something on this episode, I will be very disappointed. She's currently texting uh, Cody's wife uh, (laughs) to make fun of all of us. So... um, so I'm married to Kat, and we've been married about seven and a half years, and we've got four young children. Uh, Henry's four, 
Eleanor is, excuse me, Henry's six, Eleanor's four. Uh, Phoebe is, uh, Phoebe is two and Louise is about nine months old. So got our, our family here and I've been a pastor. All the kids are asleep in bed and there's no issues. That's America. That's right. The kids are, the kids are down, uh, cause it's late in the evening. Uh, so, uh, if they wake up, one of you guys is coming to watch them. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So, um, so yeah, I've been a pastor for about two and a half years and love it. Uh, I'm also uh, a PhD student at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. That's where I did my MDiv, and there at Southern, I am focusing on uh, primarily early Baptist history. And I'm studying with Dr. Michael Haken, and I'm honored to study under his supervision. My main area of focus is a man, John Collett Ryland. Uh, he lived 1723 to 1792. He was a um, a wonderful theologian, uh, underappreciated and often misunderstood. And so a part of my project in this doctoral program is going to be looking at his life and uh, his theology and some of the, the history of why he has received the way that he is. Um, so I've, I've got a few projects I'm working on right now about that and uh, one of these days we can talk some more about that. But let me think of some some other particular things. Uh, ba- so Baptist studies is kind of the, the main uh, area of my focus. And um, for the London Lyceum, I'm the book review editor. So uh, really what that turns into is, um, yeah, reading the book reviews ahead of time and giving some uh, constructive feedback. And we, we have really great authors who um, review really great books. Uh, and so really grateful for... Uh, for their thinking on it, I just kind of uh, give it a give it a read to make sure that it's um, a kind of a clean grammatical copy. So you know, if you want to know our hot takes, I guess that's where to go because that's where all the anytime we post a review, we get like a bajillion hits for some reason. I don't know why. People love it. It's great. Uh, I I I love reading book reviews, especially when people actually give their honest opinion about the book. Um, they love so, it, but they yeah, also don't love it. 800-word summaries are not helpful book reviews. So most academic journals, I don't even know why they have them in there. Some give actual space for a real review, and I appreciate that. Because I think reviews can be a very helpful thing if done well. Um, So thanks, Garrett. Now, who do we go to next? Let's go to Morgan. Morgan Bird, you've been on the podcast several times. Give us a little bit of background about yourself. If somebody hasn't listened to your episodes, which I guess they should, Garrett, you've got an episode coming out. Connor, you've been on the podcast too. So Morgan, let's let's hear from you. Yeah, sounds great. My name is Morgan Bird. I live in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Um, man, we need more people who want to tell people about Jesus to come to Myrtle Beach. So if you're wanting to change your life up, and you want to go uh, feel like you're a missionary somewhere, move to Myrtle Beach. We'd love to have you. I'm an associate pastor here at a, at a church called Palmetto Shores, and um, I've been in my role here at the church for uh, about three years. Uh, it's a really cool situation. I actually am pastoring alongside of my dad. Uh, he was the uh, founding pastor. He planted this church about 15 years ago. And he is the senior pastor, and uh, we're pastoring together, which is which is really cool. Uh, married, my wife's name is Allie, and uh, we have a son whose name is Benjamin. He will be three in March. And my wife is currently pregnant right now, so we're expecting. And uh, we just found out that we're having a, a girl. Um, so this is going public. We haven't even announced it really to the world. So here we go. This is happening. Um so we're having a little girl, so we're super excited that'll uh, she'll be coming in in July, uh, Lord willing. And um, yeah, as far as uh, my current uh, research interests, I'm kind of taking a little bit of a, a break on on doing anything super serious. But one thing that has piqued my interest is um, really looking into uh, experimental or experiential preaching and uh, looking back at the. Um, at the confessional and Puritan uh, tradition and, and just kind of really thinking what what's what was unique, what was different about the way they preached and um, how they were helping people really think through how doctrine plays out in the heart and in the life. 
on an experiential level. Just feels like it's something that is missing at times in my own preaching and in preaching that I hear. And um, just intrigued to 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 kind of get down underneath and understand why were they doing that? How did they come to start to do that? And 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 what what could that look like uh, if if a resurgence of that uh, happened in the church? Um, I uh, went to Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary uh, for my MDiv. That's my most re- recent education, where I met uh, Brandon Askew and his lovely family there. We spent some time together there, and and that's kind of how I got connected to the podcast uh, was through Brandon. Um, I know uh, when I think about influential theologians and, and that sort of thing, pastors in my life. Um, one is Abraham Booth. We did a, we did an episode early on. That's one of the probably rough early episodes, um, that on the London Lyceum podcast. Uh, but we talked about Abraham Booth and, and really the reason I kind of fell in love with him was just was one of the first, uh, reformed Baptist guys that I read who, who was doing that kind of experimental experiential, uh, writing. And it really captured my heart for how somebody takes doc, deep doctrine and applies it to to practical life and practical heart issues. Um, but then I also love listening to uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones. I mean, I just think it's unbelievable that they have all those sermons uh, f- from him. It's like it's like you're getting a little taste of what what like older, better, purer preaching really was like, and and you get to kind of listen to this guy just lay it down. And uh, so I love and really influenced by the MLJ Trust, and and just really appreciate that. So. Uh, that's a little bit about me. Uh, I'm always super humbled and thankful to be a part of the podcast and kind of come on and um, get to ride you guys' coattails. And I've just loved watching um, how you guys have influenced uh, the world through the LL. Hey, awesome two, two things. Now, Sorry. Go ahead. Jordan, when is this podcast going to air or drop, whatever we call it? Uh, let's see here. We're recording on the 18th of January in 2022. It is the, I guess, the 24th or the 31st. No, it'll be the 34th because we usually do the last Monday of the month uh, if we do it. So it'd be the 31st. Right. So you're talking we can have. Morgan, you've got 13 days to to plan out how, how you're going to tell your family. Because, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway. And also, have you, um, have you uh, read Beaky's Reform Preaching? Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, man. It's so good. And it's, it's a book that's like, it kind of piques your interest, but even, even still, I don't, I'm like, I'm still trying to put my finger on it, kind of dig, get underneath like more of it and just, and kind of soak that in a little bit more, but yeah, very, very solid resource. I figured you would, depending, uh, considering, um, topics you're interested in and I'm right there with you on those things, but anyway, sorry for the sidebar, Jordan. You, we'll get back on no it's good we're, on i was just going to flip here. it over to the west coast um to our our west coast representative chris who i guess most of us are kind of like midwest to east coast so you're like by far the farthest over there so chris give us a little background about yourself for those who aren't familiar with you and then just you know tell us some interesting stuff yeah i'm i'm the only west coaster uh, in this room right now um, although I'm not alone, there's several others down here in Southern California. Think of Barcelos and Sam Renahan. Um, so we got a good little uh, group of uh, Reformed Baptists down here. Um, <clears throat> yeah, my name is Chris Wozniki. I am married. I've been married for eight years to my wife, Amelia. Uh, we have two daughters, Shiloh, who is five, and Abigail, who is two. Uh, and Abigail just started going to daycare, so um, that's been fun. Um, it's been a sort of change of pace to have to get two kids out and ready to go to school in the morning instead of just one. Um, but yeah, so uh, I've been down here in Southern California my whole life in L.A. I went to UCLA, so I am a Bruin through and through. Um, did my M.A. and uh, actually I have two M.A.s in Theology and Intercultural Studies, which is essentially just missions and missiology uh, at Fuller and my PhD at Fuller under Oliver Crisp. Um, I studied the theology, the theological anthropology of T.F. Torrance. That was 
the focus of my dissertation. And yeah, most of my research is either on atonement, prayer in the Reformation, or uh, T.F. Torrance and theological anthropology. So um, those are the things I've been working on for the last several years. My book on Torrance's theological anthropology will be coming out in May or June of this year with Rutledge. So I'm excited about that and having about like maybe eight or 10 people read that book because it's going to come out and be 160 <laughs> bucks when it comes out. Um, so hopefully Jake can get it into the Southern Library, have some people read it. He'll just make cool. photocopies I believe for in us. you, Jake. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I've, I've been a college minister. I was a college minister at our church for about six years, uh, and then I stepped out of that to work on my PhD full-time. I'm currently working with Young Life as a regional trainer, so I get to uh, equip and encourage and work alongside uh, first and second year staff and also uh, a group of interns that are called student staff who are thinking about going into ministry. So that's been that's been one of the things that um, in my own calling that I've that's sort of like followed me throughout is uh, the idea of equipping people who are on mission. Um, so that's been a real big part of uh, of all that I do. Why I want to go get a PhD? Why I took the role with Young Life, why I've done uh, teaching and training overseas uh, of pastors, because uh, I really believe that the church needs to be equipped for mission. Um, my favorite theologian is an early Baptist. Um, actually, he was a Baptist early on. Not a lot of people know that. So Oliver Crisp was actually a Baptist. Very few people know that he, uh, he was a college minister. Um, while he was at a Baptist church, he actually has some sort of charismatic like beginnings to his to his faith, and then he became a Baptist. And um, he's actually the one who introduced me uh, to the Second London Confession. Um, so you can thank him for that. I was just a uh, sort of clueless Baptistic free church kind of dude um, before starting to study um, with him. Um, yeah. Is there any hope of Oliver ever becoming a Baptist again? Well, he has a uh, he has several people who worked on him uh, during the AT the AT group. And we had me and JT Turner and a couple other free church guys in that group. So there's there's hope, maybe. That's awesome. I, I think of all. I mean, for me, Oliver is one of the definitely uh, most important influential theologian philosopher guys in my life. So uh, I think it was him who really introduced me to the value and the importance of the ecumenical creeds for thinking theologically. So I really credit him for a lot uh, in that area. Now let's, who's next? Jake, I mean, you are our resident librarian. So tell us about yourself uh, and what all's going on there. So yes, yeah, so my name is Jake Stone. I'm originally from uh, Gulfport, Mississippi. Uh, Served for 12 years in pastoral ministry when I started at 19. Uh, do not recommend that. Um, in, in God's providential workings, uh, I stepped away from pastoral ministry at the beginning of last year and moved to Louisville in June of 2021 to begin uh, my MDiv studies. And so I am here at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and I'm very blessed um, to be a member at the Reformed Baptist Church of Louisville. And I work as a library assistant at the uh, James Pettigrew Boys Centennial Library at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, I tried to answer the phone that with that full greeting when I first started, but then I, I had to cave, and so I just shortened it to the Southern Seminary Library. Um, very much, uh, it's been a lot of transition for me over the last year, but I um, am very thankful to be here in Louisville. Uh, it's a challenge for me in these days of winter. I've seen more snow in the last two weeks than I've ever seen in my life and uh, longing for spring to come. But it's been great. Uh, most people probably, if they know anything about me, uh, know that most of the group here thinks that I'm a, a secret landmark Baptist. 
you know, there I was raised landmarks would always be there within me. Um, you know, I remember when I was growing up, my, uh, my grandparents went to a church and a pastor told them that if you were raised or if you were saved in a landmark Baptist church, you'll always be landmark in some way. And as I get older, I really do believe that that's true. Um, and a lot of what I see on social media uh, makes me even more uh, landmark, especially when I see certain things from those who call themselves Baptist. But I do believe we have an importance of a recovery that is needed in Baptist life. I am very thankful if I can kind of uh, shift a little bit on most influential uh, historians for me. And, and I really think that men like Tom Nettles, Michael Haken, Jim Renahan have really done a lot of good work for us in understanding what does it mean to be Baptist. And I think right now we're in a, in a crisis moment where Baptist identity is under assault. And as we are seeing a lot of cultural shifts happening, it's really going to make us have a, a day of reckoning. Um, are we going to be Baptist or not? And one of the things that I would just tell people is if you don't like parts of the Baptist heritage or you think they're wrong, then just say that. Do not try to redefine them. And that's really especially true in Baptist polity in regards to church, state, religious liberty, religious freedom. And that's an interest that I've had a little bit. I've been doing a lot of reading over the last couple of months uh, in the life of Isaac Backus, who was an early uh, colonial and then in the early days of the American Republic of Baptist in New England. And I think his, his writings are very fascinating, and I think we would do well to go back to men like him, John Leland, uh, Roger Williams, uh, Thomas Helwes, and others. Because right now there's a sector that thinks those men got it wrong. Uh, and that somehow we need to go back to some uh, type of state church, you know, setup. And it's again we have no historical awareness. Um, for Baptists, uh, that time was not very, not very good. Uh, we had a lot of people that were sitting in the Tower of England in prisons uh, during those periods of time. So I think that it's uh, ironic. It's sad. Uh, it's infuriating, to be honest, um, that we have Baptists who think that somehow that is the model. For what we're to be. So um, I don't have very many opinions, but I do think that if we're going to call ourselves Baptist, we need to know what that means. And I'm learning, ever learning, and, and I'm very thankful to be here at Southern. And I'm thankful for, for the London Lyceum for what we're trying to do. Um, I, I think we really sincerely seek to have a positive influence and say that we can be uh, charitable and confessional. And I think overall we're kind and friendly. Uh, I know that I'm loud, but that doesn't mean that I'm mad. That just means that I'm passionate. I'm so happy we got a Jake Sermon in yeah, this one. This is, this hey, is awesome. I want to I wanna add, um, if you don't mind, Jordan, <clears throat> um, I, we knew or I knew the name Andrew Fuller uh, just through going through Southern Seminary, but I did not read any Andrew Fuller until I met Jake Stone. And uh, I just want to give him credit for introducing me to, to Fuller. And um, if I were, I don't think I dropped a name earlier about influential theologians, but he's going to be near the top for me. So uh, Jake Stone, his efforts are, are, are far and wide um, for uh, his, his ambitions here to, to call spades spades. Right. And uh, so appreciate that brother. And uh I'm I'm with you. I appreciate that very much. And if, and if I can say that, you know, was asked earlier, do we have hope for those who are not, you know, currently Baptists? And my answer is we always have hope because we know if they don't get it right on this side of eternity, they will on the other side. I want to add that Jake makes me a better Baptist as well. <laughs> he he makes us all better Baptists, right? Uh, he's always reining me in uh, and, and telling us, "Hey, that's that's not Baptist. You got to be a Baptist with a capital B, Baptist to the bone," as Brandon would say. Or Brent, Brandon, isn't yeah, it? That's a, right. We don't do icons, and we don't do <laughs> church calendar. <laughs> well, now you just made Luke and Matt Emerson mad, so or Stamperson, however you call them. Grace upon grace to all people. Uh, I love it. Cody, give us a little bit of the background about yourself. 
All right. So my name is Cody Float, and I am married to the one and only Emily Float, who I will read this uh, mainly because Kat Walden is currently texting my wife, and I have been asked to read this. Um, (laughs) My wife, Emily, is 100 stronger than all of y'all's wives. This comes from Kat, by the way. Probably stronger than y'all, too. Because all y'all lift is books. So there's my wife goes to the gym every day, by the way. So there's that. Anyway, (laughs) she's currently hiding by the table. Um, But anyway, my name is Cody Float. I am married to my wife, Emily. We've been married for three years. Um, I got my undergrad and my MDiv at Boys College slash Southern Seminary. And I'm currently working on my THM in Old Testament from Puritan Reformed Theological Seminary under the supervision of Dino Timmer, who I would encourage all of you in the audience to buy everything that he writes. It's really, really helpful. Um, And my research interests include the minor prophets in particular, um, which is why I'm studying with Dr. Timmer. Um, And what I hope to do eventually is try to create pathways for analytic theology to interact with Old Testament interpretation. So how can we think analytically about the Old Testament um, in regards to like philosophical categories, rather maybe gender, sexuality, etc. So um, those are kind of like where I tend to read and are interested in. Um, and I currently, uh, aside from studying, I um, manage a coffee shop and, um, that is kind of my day to day. So I make coffee nine to five and then I get home and I seek to love my wife and then read good books. So there's that. Good stuff, man. Uh, Brandon, I'll I'll let you, you go next and then, then I can close out the intros before we move on. All right. My name is Brandon Askew. I'll try to keep this short because y'all have to hear me every week. But uh, I'm married to Katie. We've been married for uh, almost seven years now. We've got two little boys. Coley's four and Haddon is two. I got my undergrad at Campbell University and I did an MDiv and an MA at Southeastern uh, Seminary. I'm an associate pastor at Harriet Baptist Church uh, in Henderson, North Carolina. Um, that's the town that I grew up in. Uh, it's not the church I grew up in, but that's the the town I'm from. Um, I don't really have any particular research interests, I guess, right now. I'm not uh, a scholar, so I don't really... I kind of jump around a lot. Most of the reading that I do is actually uh, either for, specifically for what I'm, what I'm doing at church, or I do a lot of reading and uh, preparing for the interviews that we do for the podcast. So... Um, I guess what I'm doing most of my reading on right now is the Pentateuch because I'm uh, preparing to teach a, a class on the Pentateuch. I only preach about once a quarter at the church, but I, I teach the midweek uh, Bible study every week. So we'll be starting up a Pentateuch class pretty soon. So that's what I'm doing most of my reading on right now. Um, most influential pastors would um, would be the, the two youth pastors that I had uh, in middle school and high school. I still have pretty close relationships with both of those guys, uh, here, you know, 20 years later. So they've been really influential as far as a theologian, probably RC Sproul, mainly because, uh, he was kind of the one who, who ignited a fire within me to, to bring, um, substantive theology to the local church. Um, as I said earlier, I'm not a scholar, but I do try to take theology seriously. And it's, the thing that I get, um, some of the most joy that I get um, in in my job is when I'm teaching at church, and you know I just see the light bulbs going off, and and I see people, you know, they say things like, "Well, why didn't nobody ever teach me this before? I've never heard this." You know, um, that's that's a gratifying feeling for me uh, as a pastor. Um, philosopher, I'm probably Greg Welty, just because I had so many classes from him at Southeastern, and he was the best. Um, professor uh, that I've had at any school. And I guess that about sums it up for me. Awesome. And I'll give you guys brief intro to myself too, because I think, imagine if you've heard some of our episodes, you you know, you get a sense for me and Brandon. So uh, married to Sarah, I've got two kids. Uh, I guess they're uh, three-year-old and one-year-old boys. 
my oldest Samson is in love with trucks and cars and anything with wheels. I mean, it's every time I go to Target, I have to like give him a prep talk. We cannot go look at trucks. We cannot buy a truck because if we go look at trucks, you'll want to buy a truck. So we just can't go to the truck aisle. Um, what else about me? I, I mean, I did MDiv at Southern, did a THM at Southeastern, um, a PhD student at Birmingham in the UK in philosophy. I, I work full time in the finance industry doing business intelligence stuff. So all the nerd out data sort of, sort of things, that's, that's what I do on a regular basis. And during the day, I think it's fun. It's interesting, unique, different. I primarily focus, I think, research-wise, Doctrine of God, Christology, and Anthropology. I have, but I, I mean, I have a general interest in pretty much every single topic in theology. I think it's all interesting. I just am not an expert in all of it. So, I mean, I think all the current conversation on political theology stuff is fascinating. I have no idea uh, about most of it. I don't even understand half the terms. I mean, people are talking about these things. I'm like, what does that mean? Please explain it to me. But I think it's interesting. As far as, I guess, influences for me, I mean, just big, broad, theological, philosophical guys. I mean, you got to go Oliver Chris, Paul Helm. Uh, I think Herman Bavink, Calvin, those guys were pretty influential for me. Richard Cross has been, a lot of his work has been really helpful for me. Who else? Tom McCall, I found a lot of his stuff really helpful and challenging and thinking. As far as like people I interact with in real life who've been really influential for my theological development. I would say my mentor in college, David Croto, who's now at Columbia International University, I think. Uh, I mean, I spent countless hours with him at a coffee shop, bookstore, sort of jumbo complex. And we would spend hours going through the Greek New Testament and just me asking him questions about theology and everything. And after that, my associate pastor in seminary, Brad Weldy, he's really the guy who was the on-ramp for me being interested in philosophy, analytic theology. And then my THM supervisor, Greg Welty, who Brandon mentioned, I mean, he's shaped my thinking probably more than anyone else in pushing me to be a better thinker, to be a clearer thinker, to uh, not rely on just universal tropes that everybody uses, but to realize that you have to actually make an argument. Uh, at Southern, I guess Tom Nettles and uh, Jonathan Pennington were probably the most influential for my studies there. And yeah, so I think that that's me. Now, I do want to talk about where the London Lyceum plans to go next a little bit, and then we can just have some banter and talk about whatever we want to talk about for however long we want to talk about it, because I think people uh, like to get to know us a little bit uh, as far as you know who we are. So let's say here, new new ventures for the London Lyceum. We started as a podcast two and a half years ago with literally uh, like no one knew we existed. We probably got like four listens per day or week or month, whatever. And we've gotten bigger since then. But I think some of the cool things that we're planning on doing this year, I don't know if you're familiar with it. We've got these round table ideas, which originally it started with Brandon thought, hey, let's get some guys together to talk covenant theology like Sam Renahan and some others to, to just think through that. And that kind of blew up to like, why don't we do that for other segments of theology and philosophy too? So we've got three planned out this year. We've got the one on political theology that's been publicized. Everybody knows about that now. Andrew Walker, Tom Hicks, uh, Tymon Klein, and then um, Brad Littlejohn are all, are all doing that. So that's going to be a lot of fun. So basically what we've envisioned is a two-hour event. Everybody's going to have time to say, this is what we think is the right view. Everybody's going to have time to push back on each other's presentations. Then we're just going to have questions and dialogue about it. So I think one of the virtues of the London Lyceum is that, uh, like Jake mentioned, we don't have to be jerks about stuff. We can be cheerful about what we think, and we can actually talk to other people and have a fruitful discussion in areas of disagreement. So I think that's one thing we want to model is this positive, healthy, you know, we can be friends and hang out and talk and push back on each other and disagree. So I think these roundtables are going to be fun. We've got another one on covenant theology and one on classical theism that we're working on scheduling now. I've got the four people confirmed on classical theism, and I am pumped about putting that one out because that's, that's in my wheelhouse. We also have an annual print journal that we're working on coming out sometime this summer. And we've got some 
really superb entries in that. So I'm really excited about that coming out. We've, we're doing a denomination series on the podcast right now, which I think is fun. Uh, I think it's, I mean, it's, it, there's some episodes in there that are pretty interesting. And I, when this comes out, you'll, you'll have heard one of them that was a little bit more interesting, at least for me and Brandon to think going different directions we didn't expect. So it was a lot of fun. We learned a lot, but a good time. We've got plans for a Baptist Catholicity series. How can you be Baptist and Catholic? Uh, we've got YouTube we're working on for these roundtables and other things. So I think we've got some really cool stuff that we're working on as well as some, uh, I guess we're working in the initial stages of getting some Baptist his, historical work retrieved and published again. So we'll we'll release details on that as as that come becomes more official. So I, I'm excited about what we're doing and the direction we're headed. I think we've got a lot of cool stuff that we can do, and hopefully you guys are listening. You, you find it valuable. I, I think, at least for me, I just enjoy talking to smart people and learning from them and picking their brains. But I also like talking about a range of topics and, and getting people on who you may not be familiar with. So I like pushing the boundaries a little bit and saying, hey, let, let's talk outside of our tribe and learn uh, from these people. Even We don't have to agree with anything they say, but I think it's interesting to talk to them and learn and to to develop our posture of kindness and, and charity towards others, but also being very critical and thinking through like, Hey, you say this, explain to me why you say that, because that doesn't make sense at all. So yeah, that's what I've got. What do you guys are, is there anything you have found most helpful uh, from the London Lyceum that you've said, you know what, I didn't know or think about or use this beforehand, but now uh, I find it extremely valuable. Yeah. I would say the emphasis on um, just charity um, has been really helpful for me. So I've loved particularly episodes with um, scholars whom I disagree with on various issues. I've really enjoyed just hearing them out, hearing their positions, why they believe what they believe, and how they ground that in the scriptures, and how I can, even in the midst of disagreement, how I can grow in love for that person and... Um, how I can grow to, yeah, just like interact with that position in everyday life. And so I've personally really appreciated from hearing those who might disagree um, on this podcast. So, And I, I'll just add to that, Cody. I, I think, I don't know if it's just so, social media or just, you know, maybe a few other things, but I, I think I think I'm not. I don't think I know. We're in a period of history in the church where we're we're becoming very tribal, um, and you know the the 1689 Baptists are over here, and the other Reformed camps are are divided, and and all these even denominationally. But I what what I'm been what I've enjoyed about the past couple of years is is saying yeah we can we can be particular and we can distinguish right. Uh, but there, there's a way to do that, that Jordan, you said at the very beginning that we don't have to be jerks about it. You know, I, I think I really like the temperature of, of, of what we've been doing or what you guys have been doing really. And, and to, um, just, it's just, it feels fresh. It feels like a breath of fresh air. Right. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with our posture. A lot of that, a lot of that has to do with not only who you're inviting on, um, but, uh, it's just, it's how we are engaging in, in different points of view. And, and, and as Cody said, there's a way to do that. That's not, uh, a polemic, I guess. And, and it's not, um, you know, uh, divisive, uh, but, uh, it, as you said, it's, it's, we can learn from each other. We can learn from different traditions, even if we are staunchly in, in our own tradition. So, um, I think it's a good uh, I hope it, it looks like <laughs> maybe I hope too, or may I dream too big, but I hope it's a, a character, a caricature of the, the future of, 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 of the church, uh, broadly. So. Yeah. And I would add to, to pick up on what both of those brothers are saying. I think one of the things that makes the London Lyceum popular and that it, why it's grown is because this is not an entity that is built on uh, controversy, hot takes, what's the latest buzz. 
And I think that this, we, we, we're trying to help equip, build up, teach. Um, you know, Brandon earlier talked about the influence of R.C. Sproul. There's no doubt that Dr. Sproul, you know, addressed things that were, were current or, or controversial in his day. But if you look at what Ligonier Ministries was and is about, it was, was teaching, was equipping people. And I think that's the reason why that has sustained. And you can build something off of hot takes and screaming, and, and you will you'll have an audience. But, but I think it's a short-term ploy uh, that, that frankly makes people miserable. Um, I think if that's what you, you try to do and build your life, it's, it, you must be miserable to be around. Um, you know, who, who wants to be around somebody in person just screaming about whatever today? I mean, we, if we go to work and we go somewhere and there's that person who's moaning and groaning every day about something, you know, we, we really want to avoid being around that person. And, 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 I, and, so, and we have wonderful things, treasures to teach and pass on. And it's helped me because, you know, I'm in that continual battle of what my roots are, uh, where I stand, but also realizing that there is a, is a broad tradition. And it's really challenged me in listening and thinking uh, and hearing other points of view. But I think that, and when we do address, we'll talk about the book reviews, when we do address things that maybe are more current, I think we carry more weight because we're not always, you know, running to whatever is the latest fad or controversy. We give diligence to addressing a topic that maybe is very controversial and very in the moment. And now we're going to speak to that. And I think that, that that wins, you know, an audience in a sense because they know, all right, if the London Lyceum is addressing it, you know, it really is an important topic because they're not about, you know, the continual hot takes. And I think there's a there's more long term. It's in anything. Whether you think about pastoring and ministry, you know, you can do something that's short term, that that's buzz and cotton candy and all that kind of stuff. But you're always having to reinvent yourself. Uh, the longer term, the ordinary means of grace, that is where it's at. And so I think I, I'm thankful, and I think that's why the podcast has grown, and why you have such a diverse not just audience, but the guests that you have as well. Yeah, and, and to be clear, you know. I think of us when we publish stuff on the internet. I mean, I would be happy if someone had a contrary take to publish their take if it was, you know, a thorough, fair, and judicious piece. So, say I run a review, and whether it's positive, let's let's say it's a negative review, because those are the people only want to read negative reviews. I post positive reviews, and you get like less than a tenth of the views on those as you do the negative ones. But so let's just single out a negative one if someone was like yeah I, I think you're wrong for all these reasons and they decided to write it up personally i'd have no problem publishing it if it was fair and right just because i i want to promote the exchange of ideas to help people think through things so i don't think we're just trying to run on this uh, hobby horse you know here let me pick the important issues that I think are important if there's an important book out there that we want to have discussion and debate on I mean I think that's what part of the roundtables are supposed to do is hey these are important topics that people are talking about debating about let's get some competing voices and try to get some understanding to get some clarity so that we as whether we're pastors or students can understand the issues better so I think one of the things we've tried to do is teach you how to think, not necessarily what to think in every circumstance. At least that's how I've viewed it is I do want to teach you what to think to some degree, but I think on a bigger, more holistic level is teaching you habits of mind and for you to make your own decisions, to make your own conclusions. So when you hear a competing voice on the podcast, you can make your own decision and discern it for yourself. I'm not going to press them on every single hot button issue and say, well, I'm going to tell you why you're wrong on X, Y, and Z. I want to develop habits of mind. At least that's that's how I think you guys can disagree with me. That's part of what I think is fun about the London Lyceum is we can disagree and it's cool. I, I've always said that's one thing I love about the the philosophical, I guess, analytic theology sort of culture is I feel like there, everybody comes in, they have this like visceral heated debate when they're going over something and then five minutes afterwards, they're friends and they're hanging out. And I, I love that sort of culture where we can be really serious and we can punch each other in the face on stuff, but then we can hang out and be friends afterwards. 
Yeah, just just to jump on that thread, um, one of uh, my early influences when I went to seminary was uh, Richard Mao, who was a president at Fuller at the time. Um, and he, he actually was one of only two people who were members of ETS, so he signed my like membership paperwork to get in. Um, but yeah, he was he was one of the major influences. Um, one because of the way that he had a um, an appreciation of the past um, and a real sort of not just appreciation but a genuine love for it. Um, and I would say that one of the things that Mao taught me was the importance of having dialogue, but dialogue. To have dialogue, you actually need to stand where you believe. Otherwise, you're just sort of echo chambering each other. So in order to have dialogue with somebody who has a different view, I need to be f firm and convinced uh, of my own views. And um, he models that really well. But I think that's sort of what gets modeled in the London Lyceum really well. Like, this is a Baptist podcast. You know, people are... F the people in this room or in this call or whatever uh, are convinced that uh, the Baptist way is uh, the correct way uh, to follow. Um, yet at the same time, there can be dialogue, which I really appreciate because it's it's not just that the dialogue is going one way where, um, where it's like, oh, we're trying to get in dialogue with all these other people. Like we want to be in dialogue with Presbyterians or Anglicans. Um, with Orthodox, with people from different traditions, but actually they want to be in dialogue with Baptists as well. And I think that's done, you guys have done a great job of marketing Baptist theology, if we want to put it that way, where, um, where people feel like they can have genuine dialogue with people who are in line with the Second London Baptist Confession, which that's not always the case. You know, sometimes people want to avoid any conversation. If you're not in that camp, you want to avoid conversation with those people. But that's not the case with with this group here. People actually want to come onto this podcast and present their views because they know that even though the people in this room are firm in their stances, that they're going to be open to actually having conversations and asking questions. So I, th I think that's one thing that I've really appreciated Um being a part of these last couple of years. I feel like one of the thing that's made, made what you're talking about, Chris valuable too, is as you guys have gone out and sought out, um, conversation partners, uh, the people that y'all are reaching out to are experts. Like you get, you guys aren't interacting with like straw man arguments or anything like that. Like the people that you're having on, they're actually presenting their views, like, and they're some of the best people to present those views. And I think that's part of what, what I appreciate about listening in is, um, I know that I'm not kind of getting like a half rate, uh, maybe side, you know, side street view on whatever topic y'all are, uh, you know, going after. And so, um, I, I always think that's more helpful if we're going to actually have a helpful argument. Uh, I want, to know that that we're actually talking about the right stuff and that we actually both know what we're talking about um, so that we can interact well. So I've, I've appreciated the, the quality of people that you've gone after and um, am regularly surprised that you guys find these people out there who uh, just are so smart and just know so much about different, um, whether it's on the philosophical side or on the theology side. I mean, it's just, it's really cool to to hear from people that have gone so deep into particular topics. Yeah, like who would have thought yeah. Sarah Coakley would be on a Second London Baptist Confession podcast? You know? That was, <laughs> you know? I should have like bought a lottery ticket that day. Like no one would pick that uh, as a possible scenario, which I personally, I think her stuff is super interesting. And uh, I guess it, it spurs all sorts of creative thoughts about theology. So I think she has a lot of stuff that's, that's interesting and can put you in some, in some helpful ways, even though you can disagree with stuff. It's fine. I don't think, I don't imagine anybody listening is like, I am a Sarah Coakley devotee in every sense of the word. Uh, but I think she's brilliant and she can push you in areas to think better and to think just be a better thinker in general. So 
I mean, I commend reading her stuff because I think it can challenge you. Uh, I'm, I think we're, gosh, I don't know why it is. I don't know if it's this, what you want to call it, neo-fundamentalism, what, whatever, where there's this, just the sense of you can't read people outside your tribe because of whatever reason. I'm like, dude, we're adults. Like you, you can learn, like if you're, if you're a pastor or a graduate student or something, you should have the ability to understand what you should take from a resource and what you should reject from a resource. I mean, I, I think that's pretty straightforward. Um, stuff, but that that's my opinion. So Morgan, you were talking about getting experts in different fields. That's one thing I liked about the denomination series that we're doing right now. So if you're listening to this, when we actually drop it or close to it, we've got a series that's every other week. Uh, we've asked actual people in those traditions to come on and talk about it and not just somebody who's a Baptist who's studied Eastern Orthodoxy for 10 years and published a book about it. I want to talk to an Eastern Orthodox person. I want to talk to an actual Roman Catholic. I want to talk to an actual Pentecostal and get their viewpoints from them, from their own mouth. So tell me what you actually think, because I think that's way more valuable. Uh, just, I mean, personally, I, I, I think I grow and learn and understand way more when I can talk to the person who actually believes what they're talking about. I will say I will say this. Another thing that I've appreciated over these couple of years is um, how you guys have always, even if it is towards the end of the episode, uh, tried to try to force whoever you're talking to, to 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 push their idea in a practical direction. Sometimes that's towards the church. Sometimes that's just towards a disciple of Jesus. What it means to follow follow the Lord, um, but. Uh, and, and, you know, sometimes that, that has fallen a little flat because some of the concepts or, or different things are hard to work out and hard to get out into the everyday life or everyday life of the church. But I just appreciate that y'all have been willing to ask that question and, and encourage the, the person you're interviewing to help us think in a practical level. Those of us, especially those of us who uh, are on the local church level, uh, to think in a practical way about how what they're talking about might have an impact on on uh, our everyday life or everyday ministry. So that's something I've really appreciated about the podcast. Yeah. I, I really enjoy the part where you guys ask them about resources. Hey, what, what kind of books, articles, other things should, should people be aware of at a more sort of popular level and a more sort of technical level? Um, that was actually one of the things that, that crisp did uh, in our classes uh, back when I was doing my MA uh, he'd start every class with a pot. He'd bring in, he'd carry in like a pile of like 10 books uh, on any given topic. And first we're studying atonement. He's like, okay, here, here's the 10 books, historical, contemporary that you need to know. And what would always happen be like, okay, there's, there's two in that pile that I need to go on Amazon and order for myself. And I find that happening as I listen to the podcast as well. I'm like, okay, I want to go pick this up because I'm no expert on you know, Baptists in the Northwest or Baptists in Ireland. I'm like, okay, now I know who to read or what books to check out. Um, so I've really appreciated that. Although my wife probably hasn't because, you know, waste, wasting money on, on books that aren't even related to my research. There's uh, no such but... thing as wasting money on books. <laughs> and if I can say something, and I want to defend Brandon on something because I know it's kind of a running joke sometimes about how Brandon always says let's get a basic definition but I actually think that Brandon when he does that and things I hear from my perspective and my experience you know that pastoral care and mind of the person who's in the pew the layman the laywomen you know trying to process things that are you know you know I need it because there's things that y'all have had on there I have no clue what in the world they're talking about and it really helps you to, you know, to get your mind around. So I know that's somewhat, you know, he gets jabbed about that, but I think it's very helpful because I think that it brings that pastoral tone into the discussion. Can oh, somebody get Glad somebody's got my back, Jay. Thank you. Coffee? Can somebody do that? <laughs> Have that happen? No matter what it is, two cream, two sugars, all the same. Well played, Chris. <laughs> well played. And... Jake, for the record, I am a huge supporter of the the basic definition. And if you notice, anytime I have to record an episode without Brandon, I definitely ask it myself because I, I am uh, on board with the necessity uh, of good definitions to start any discussion. So are, are there any other comments before we close? 
I mean, Garrett, you, you look like you're in this great contemplative mode, so I'm sure you have some sort of wisdom to share with us. Really, I was just going to reiterate just briefly, I, I really appreciate the general demeanor that the the podcast takes and that the, the, the website takes. Grateful for that. Um, we don't always see that in our own tribe. So I was just going to ask Jake. Um, Jake, are you a 1689er? Are we 1689ers? Well, it depends on what a person means by that term. Um, I think right now there's a lot. First of all, Garrett's trying to get me on a rant is, is what he's trying to do. Well, I think um, he succeeded because here we go. Well, I've got a book. I wanted to read a quote here. And, and uh, I think that one of the things we've got, I think, two challenges in this year. The first one, if we can talk about the 1689 group. I think anybody who wants to claim the confession needs to ask themselves a few questions. Number one, have I ever read the confession? All right. Have I read through it? Uh, we don't need to claim things we haven't read. You know. Number two, do I understand what this is teaching? Do I understand how to interpret a confession? So anybody out there who maybe is, is new to the 1689... Maybe they they see that out there and they hear people say, well, this is what it teaches or this is what it teaches. I would encourage you to pick up James Renahan's little book, A Toolkit for Confessions, which works through, you know, what's the, the, the heritage and the background for the 1689. I also think that we need to have a reckoning that there are a lot of, and I, and I can say this because I've come from this world, so I'm not up here on, you know, some mountaintop. I don't know anything about it. We have a lot of people who have come out of fundamentalism. They hold to the tulip. They've heard about the 1689. Maybe, you know, some favorite person they listen to Holt claims it. And that's what they are. But they still have a fundamentalist, biblicist mindset. And there's a big difference between a confession being a tribal badge and a confession actually being a document that guides how you interpret scripture, how you do theology, and how you engage. And so I really want to encourage people, study through the confession and really understand what it's teaching before you claim that as your confessional standard. I I think we seek to do that here. Now, I have a a few quibbles with some of the uh, positions that some in this group have that claim the the second Primarily Brandon. That's okay. we're all we're all growing and 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 that's that's fine. So, we are particular Baptist. And sometimes I think we need to go back and just claim the 1677, which was when the confession originally was published. But second thing, in this year of 2022, the question that is always before us is will we be real Baptist or not? And Timothy George wrote this in 1990. So 32 years ago, and yet I think what he wrote then is still as relevant today and is a call and a challenge for all of us. He said this, and this is in his book with uh, David Dockery, Theologians of the Baptist Tradition. If you don't have a copy of this book, you should buy it. He said this, There is a crisis in Baptist life today that cannot be resolved by bigger budgets, better programs, or more sophisticated systems of data processing and mass communication. It is a crisis of identity rooted in a fundamental theological failure of nerve. The two major diseases of the contemporary church are spiritual amnesia, we have forgotten who we are, and ecclesiastical myopia, whoever we are, we are glad we are not like them. While those maladies are not unique to the people of God called Baptists, they are perhaps most glaringly present among us. I think in 2022, that is just as applicable today as it was in 1990. And so I think we really need to ask ourselves, who are we, where have we come from, and where are we going? And I think we we are in desperate need of that as Baptists, and I'm excited to see what we can do at London Lyceum this year to help people understand what it means to be a And Baptist. if you want to get started... Jake, closing us out with the revival meeting. Oh, yes. I was going to say, if you want to get started on studying these confessions, it might be a good idea uh, to go ahead and pre-order Morgan Bird's book on the Abstract of Principles, which I got in the mail the other day, and I'm excited to, to get through. So 
Now we're gonna go ahead and shamelessly plug that for for our brother here. Um, but uh, Jordan, I think you wanted to close us out, so. I'm just taking my notes of which books to put in the show notes for all you nerds who want to buy books. So yeah, I mean, I get, hopefully this is a helpful introduction to a little bit about who we are as a London Lyceum, uh, who the team is, and where we see ourselves going. I mean, I think uh, a big emphasis is this Catholicity charity of spirit that we want to emphasize, but we don't want to lose our Baptist distinctives. We want to promote those too. And to introduce those of our listeners who aren't Baptist to some good Baptist theology. So I think if you're not a Baptist and you're listening, which is a good segment of you, I mean, we've got all sorts of listeners. I think you can, don't just skip those Baptist episodes. I think you can get some real value out of those. So I'd encourage you to listen to them and learn from the theologians of the past who have been really influential in the great tradition of the church. So, yeah. So I think this is fun. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to at least, as of this recording, the only analytic Baptist confessional podcast on the planet. And we'll talk to you guys soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.